0: Welcome to God's Planning, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to God's Planning. My name is Father Patrick Mary Briscoe, and I'm joined here today by Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. Say hello to everyone, Father.
1: Hi, all. How's it going? Good to be here. Uh, as
0: some of you know by now, I'm a parish priest in Providence, Rhode Island. I also teach at Providence College, and Father Jacob Bertrand is the vocation director of our province. Would you talk a little bit about that assignment and the kinds of things you find yourself doing, Father?
1: Sure, yeah. So as, as Father pa- Patrick said, I'm, I'm the vocation director for the Dominican province of St. Joseph, which means that I um, I work with the men who are interested in I'm looking at our life, interested in a vocation to the Dominican life, and also those men who are applying to the order. So I sort of handle all the application um, process, sort of the promotion of the order on the vocation level, visiting different colleges, different conferences, um, those sorts of things, sort of promoting but also drawing drawing men into the order. So I'm based here at the um, at the Dominican House of Studies in Washington D.C., but do a good bit of traveling. So I'm kind of all over the place, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm.
0: Today we um today we want to talk a little bit about um, lo- loneliness and isolation which I know when I say it like that sounds like a super exciting topic.
1: <laughs> yeah, get ready. Get ready to be <laughs> radically depressed by this conversation. Today, today we're going to talk about how sad we are. <laughs> oh no, dangerous. Uh, but there's there's hope maybe. We'll see. Maybe.
0: <laughs> the the this is this has become um a, a popular, a popular trope, right? Uh, people talking about as connected as we are today um, through things like podcasts or social media or even even a, even one's cell phone, the ability to call or text anyone at any any time anywhere, uh, has rendered us not more connected but less connected. So our our uh, goal today is not to demonstrate this to you. I think people have a people have a people have a sense of how. Um, our society is becoming more disconnected. and i'm I'm not a sociologist, so i don't I don't particularly feel the need to demonstrate this. I think that other people have demonstrated it in a convincing way. but but we want to we want to comment on the problem and talk about how it affects us in Christian life. You know, God's planning is a podcast uh, uh, in which we're thinking about the higher things, the greatest um Theological and philosophical problems and bringing them to bear on the realities we have today. So our goal is uh, not just to unpack or explain, you know, this this modern phenomenon of loneliness, but to look at it as Christians, as people who are who are contemplating this as a as a as a mystery of God and see what see what God is inviting us to and through. Um, given given that this is part of our reality today, and lonely, loneliness really begins um, with sin. Uh, from that first sin when our first parents um, separated themselves from God in a kind of definitive way, saying, saying to the Lord in Eden, um, you know, not, not your will, but our, w- our will be done, um, declaring to God that they had a separate, a separate plan um, rather than one that he was proposing to them. Um, can, you, can you talk about from your priestly experience, uh, Father Jacob Bertrand, how, how you think sin isolates people or, or even how, how it's really at the, at the core of this issue of loneliness?
1: Yeah, sometimes in my own maybe this is a hang up that I have in myself or when I talk about um about sin and though and, and problems and kind of suffering in life is that I tend not to want to over spiritualize things. And what I mean by that is I, I tend not to want to say, you know, when I see somebody suffering, oh, you know, that's a test and that's good for their faith. You know, I, right. I think we have to I think that's kind of sidestepping problems. So I don't and I know this isn't what you're saying, Father Patrick, but I, I it would be Wrong for us to think that we can say people are lonely because of sin. And oh that's gosh, just, No, I'm so glad you said that. No, I'm just clarifying. <laughs> you know? But you know, people are lonely because of sin, and yeah. that's just sort of the suffering that we have to deal with. Um, so, like, offer it up and sort of just smile, even though you're like crumbling on the inside. That's not what we want to convey. You know, that's not the truth <laughs> of the reality. But the truth of the reality is that our life is deeply and in many ways um, radically affected by sin. And if we look back at um, at this Genesis story that Father Patrick brought up from Genesis, we can see I think one of the fundamental um, issues, problems, uh, sort of dispositions that sin creates is it creates an attitude uh, where we put ourselves first, where we try to take what isn't ours to take. And uh, if we look, if we compare Eve to our Blessed Mother, we can really say that in these two, you know, Eve's pursuit of of the good and our lady's pursuit of the good they're pursuing um, we can boil it down to a sort of divinization, to be friends of God, to know God. the difference we can talk about different differences, but the difference and this for us here is that Eve tries to take it, she tries to grasp to take what's not hers, but Mary receives Mary um, receives the word, receives grace she's given that gift that's on offer, and I think those are two diametrically opposed. Uh, looks at the world and at ourselves where eve tries to grasp and take she makes herself the center of the universe what is good for her what's good for what do i want whereas mary mary's at the service of god she surrenders her life to to him to be to be full so i think in relation to loneliness a life of sin puts us at the center but that's not how we're created it puts us in a sort of selfish disposition what's good for me How do, what do I get out of this rather than how do I offer myself? How do I give myself to this? Which is, which is the, of course, what our lady did, but because our Lord, because God does this, because Christ does this, he offers himself. And it's through that fulfillment, but that sin kind of clouds that. I think Bishop Barron, I think it's him. I'll give him credit, but I could be, I could be wrong. I think he, he once said that, a Christian begins to think as a Christian when he goes through, his, uh, through a Copernican revolution of self. Mm. Copernicus taught that the, that, this, that the earth revolves around the sun, not the other way around. So what Bishop Barron was saying is that we begin to think as, and live as a Christian when we realize that the, the universe doesn't revolve around us. And I think this is important for our relationships because it's, it's natural in a sense because of sin. To, to think, to approach, approach relationships, um, whether they be intimate, friends, work, whatever, as like, what do I get out of it? That's kind right. of the natural disposition. What, what's in it for me? Um, in some relationships, that's okay. But that's, that's not what our heart longs for. So I think sin corrupts that. That sin, rather than putting us in a position to receive and to give, sin puts us in a position to like grasp, to take. Like, what do I get out of it? Um, and we can see this all throughout salvation history, all throughout the scriptures, um, throughout the stories of of the Israelites, throughout even the New Testament parables. All of this, it's it, it's always there's always something wrong when we're kind of grasping, taking. I don't know, Father Patrick, if you had other sort of theological thoughts there on, on sin. Um, but that that's sort of the were the starting point for me.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I certainly agree. I would just echo um, and uh, reshape a little bit of what you said with, with the, you know, our, our nature that, that we were made, we were absolutely made for communion. That's part of what it means to be made in the image of God, to, um, to have a rational intellect and to desire to be united um, to God and to others and that sin sin is, sin is the, the kind of thing that undercuts that reaching out. Um, it's the kind of thing that undermines it. So it's not at all surprising to see to see our temptations flourish to see us fighting our greatest battles in the spiritual life when we're alone, right um, or when we well, when yeah. we, when, we, when, we, when we create loneliness. and uh, this is very b- biblical, this is very fundamental. And um, you know, worth worth naming as we as we talk about loneliness and isolation, right? That part of part of what happens to us when we're turning away from God is that we're turning away to other things, a lot of times, things that are not neutral, you know, things that things that we're trying to satisfy, our our heart's greatest longings um that are not at all good for us, things that are sinful. Um, and that this is this is wrapped up right in this cycle of isolation and sin. And um, that that to be to be tempted and to move deeper into sin often happens because we withdraw, we we don't turn to the support of uh, of friends or of our community or uh, of even the Lord um, in those moments. Um, so I wondered if you just wanted to comment on some of the biblical themes um, about isolation and temptation that that kind of come up
1: there. Yeah, one of the, you know one of the things that I remember from this class that we had at the House of Studies. I think we were in it together. Um, cre- not creation in the human person um, Catholic social and sexual teaching and we looked at the sort of origin of human anthropology with Monsignor Brian Bransfield and one of the things that he he spoke about was when Adam was created there was this this sort of funda- I forgot the exact phrase you might remember but this sort of fundamental loneliness or fundamental kind of isolation um, when he's created and, and Eve is created to, to original, fill, he loves
0: that phrase original
1: Yeah. original, original loneliness yeah, original Love. solitude. That's it. Original solitude. I think maybe could that could be it. And uh, but so Eve's created to fill that longing, and uh, you know to have to have that that partner to share in life. I think just before to say a word before we talk about particular things in the scripture, perhaps. But uh, that is something that we have to remember here too is that when we talk about loneliness and sort of the remedy to that, or when we talk about any sort of problem whether that be spiritual, moral, those sorts of things. we have. I think it's it's really important for us to recall and, I, and I, I often get into this conversation with people who are converting to the faith or have had like a reversion and there's this sort of zeal of I want it all and I want everything to be like good and perfect and I want that happiness and I want that relationship with Christ. And it's like, awesome, pursue it, good. But realize that our Lord never tells us that a life of grace here on this side of heaven, a life of, you know, pursuing perfection results in all of our problems being wiped away. That's Um, right. You know, he carries the cross with us. He doesn't take the cross away. So with this isolation, loneliness business topic, I think it's really important that we remember that even in the most healthy sort of well-adjusted of people, there is always this sort of loneliness. There's always kind of this longing. Um, That's because we're not made for this for, for this earth were made to share with God in heaven. So it's there, not there, going
0: to be satisfied on this side of eternity. Right. We just need to exactly. That. And and we no matter just if, that, that would be the whole episode.
1: <laughs> perfect. It's not going to be satisfied on this side of eternity. I often use the example when I'm talking about our desire for goods. Um, I often use milkshakes, for examples because it's my favorite food. <laughs> They're awesome. And, uh, you know, to, to, to sort of stupidly make an argument for our infinite longing that I could have one milkshake and it could be like the best milkshake ever. But like 10 minutes later, I'm kind of wanting a second one. That first one like perfectly satisfies me, but like 10 minutes later, I was like, I could do another one. What was that gas station place you would go to when we were novices? UDF, United Dairy Farmer Folks,
0: when we were novices, Father Jacob Bertram would just like give the look to one of us, to our classmates and just go UDF (laughs) milkshake.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Father Gregory and I have, we we used to run a lot in the novitiate and we would kind of stop on the way back to have that milkshake to be perfectly fulfilled. Just kidding. But just for that moment, but you know that like as good as the milkshake is as many as I have, there's always this longing. It's the same thing. You know, we can make a jump to something more serious in, uh, in relationships that like, no matter how good they are, there's always this kind of loneliness. We long for the Lord um, and that's that's okay. That's part of being on like, you know, the, the pilgrim church moving towards heaven. Uh, so when we look, you know, kind of perhaps at, at scripture to to kind of highlight this, this desire for Christ, but also as Father Patrick was talking about, this sort of um, temptation and isolation of course the first the first kind of scene that pops into my mind is our lord's temptation in in the desert. Uh, our Lord was tempted when he went out to the desert alone. uh He was out there for forty days by himself and was tempted by Satan. Um, we can also think of of uh like the demons or the various stories about the the demoniacs or the possessed in in scripture. they're often set aside. Um, they're cast aside, you know, they perhaps it's not because, what? you know, they didn't go out there by themselves. So often they were put, you know, they were chained away from the people, but there's, there's this whole imagery in the scriptures that we're tempted, we're broken, we're, we're separated from God in sin. That's what it, it isolates ourselves. Uh, we isolate ourselves. Sin isolates us. Um, and it's in these moments where we're kind of weak broken, that the devil capitalizes on that, and he kind of lets us, leads us astray, to spiral, um, to sort of build that vice, rather than building virtue, build that habit of, of vicious behavior. Um, and I think one of the greatest uh, tricks of the devil uh, in our spiritual life, and, you know, hearing confessions and these sorts of things, you often hear it, that, that people feel very alone in their sin and this compounds the loneliness. Um, they, they sort of feel that the shame leads to a sense of loneliness and isolates even further. You know, it's sort of a, a regression into yourself that as, you know, you fall, you sin, or even you're tempted and you're, you know, you kind of feel that shame. So you kind of pull retreat from other people. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that in your conversations with people or, or what, but that's, that's something that, that I think is quite a common human kind of experience.
0: Uh, sort yeah, of the compounding.
1: I've,
0: I found something like that um, this Lent actually as we were going through the, the narrative of Holy Week. Um, it's, it seems that the, the disciples, you know, who knows what they were actually feeling, right? So there's a fair amount of projection and speculation on my end going on here. But, but how could the disciples not have felt you know, in their, in their emotional life, a, a sense of abandonment by Christ? You know, even though they had been told they didn't have the grace of the Holy Spirit, right, to understand the the mysteries of the redemption, and the whole thing would have just been very dark. Um, which I mention because that should be a consolation for us, knowing that Christ's own intimates um, would have gone through something like this. It doesn't. It doesn't isolate us, and that, and that's why I like your point, your reminder. And we're going to say it again, and we're probably going to say it like three more times on this episode. Uh, that we are not perfectly fulfilled on this side of eternity. That 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 that's what um, our path of holiness looks like ne- um, here here on earth. And this includes any any kind of vocation, right? Um, just because you're married doesn't mean you aren't going to be lonely sometimes. Right,
1: just and because just because you live in a religious community of you know at the house of studies here of seventy plus <laughs> men doesn't mean that you can't be lonely sometimes either. Exactly.
0: So the, the, you know this is it's just very tempting to have this kind of grass is greener syndrome right um where we where we're building up we're building up fictions about what life mm-hmm. could be like um and so yep. it, every every christian has to resist that
1: uh, yeah I agree if, the the sort of idea that like if i find mr right or if i find mrs right or if i find that right religious community or this right group of friends then aha like perfect i'm you know The fear of being alone or being actually being alone or those sorts of things will never happen again that that that's a delusion and it's sort of a it's the pursuit of the wrong thing Mm, and when we pursue yep mm -hmm, amen when we pursue those those things when we sort of delude ourselves to think yeah there's the solution we're left where it's again we kind of regress into that spiral of just perpetual disappointment um which which is even on this side, even on this side of heaven, is not what we're made for. It's not what we're made for. So we have to be careful to understand things. And and I think this is one of of the, perhaps one of the great gifts that Thomas St. Thomas Aquinas has left the order of preachers in the church. And hopefully that we can bring to fruition or bring about on the podcast is the idea that, um, making good distinctions you know scholastic terminology good good distinction about things is very important because when we talk about things like isolation or any other topic we have to understand it in in its in in its essence right so yes in a sense there will always always be this sort of loneliness this desire for something more that's only fulfilled in god and Mm -hmm. only fulfilled in heaven and yes we can have foretastes of that now here on earth but we are also here on earth um so sin kind of clouds that sin gets in the way our own brokenness, our own weaknesses get in the way, but there are good examples. There are beautiful examples in the lives of the saints and our Lord himself that not only offer a path, but hope, encouragement and those sorts of things. Um, so it's important to have complete pictures of, of things in order to pursue the thing that we're talking about.
0: That's Yeah, that's a great, that's a very eloquent summary. So, so far in the episode we've talked about, this problem of this problem of loneliness, we've tried to unpack a little bit uh, of where it comes from, how sin affects it, how our isolation kind of drives that in a, in a, in a cyclical way. And when we come back here, we're going to talk about um, Christian friendship, friendship as the, as one of the great one of the great um, remedies might be too strong a word, but one one of the great helps right that we have um, in in facing this loneliness. Um, so we we'll, we'll be back in just a minute. This is God'splaining. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast dot slash God'splaining. Welcome back to God'splaining, uh, Father Patrick Mary Briscoe here, and Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. Uh We've been talking about um, friendship uh, as the uh, proposed great help for isolation. So, so let's let's really dive into that. Um, as we've been considering isolation here and uh, what, what it means to be lonely, Christian friendship has to be one, one, of, the, one of the great helps. Um, in the Gospels, Jesus pre- presents us so many examples of, of great friendships, right? Um, you know, one of the most powerful moments has to be when he arrives at the tomb uh, in Bethany and discovers his friend Lazarus has died, right? And Martha meets him on the road and she lets our Lord have it. She says, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus weeps.
1: Yeah, that's the shortest verse in in the New Testament, right? Jesus wept, just two words. Um, And and it's not a sort of farce. It's not him just kind of like putting on airs like, oh, I should cry here because I'm at a funeral or because someone has died or because I should feel bad. But I think it conveys his, not that I think it does, it conveys his his emotion, his attachment to these people
0: people he loves this man and the sorrow of his sisters weighed heavily upon him um, we can think too of the, of the the depths of the ways that he shared with the disciples right the kinds of mysteries that he revealed to them when he took peter james and john up a high mountain apart by themselves and revealed himself in his transfigured glory holy smoke you know like there they get one of the one of those four tastes of heaven that you mentioned in the first half of the episode that they that they that they saw christ in his glory um, extraordinary um, giving to them the Eucharist that first time, right? Sharing, the Last supper, mm-hmm. sharing his very self in the upper room before his death. I mean, j- just just ex- just extraordinary examples um, from the life of Christ. But we also see them in the New Testament, right? With Saint Paul, um, there were there were many people that Paul was very close to. We can think of um, we can think of women like Lydia, right, who were his converts who supported his ministry. Or uh, Timothy, the young bishop that Paul tutored, um, uh, others that others that traveled with Paul. I mean, Paul was a great man of of Christian friendship and exemplified that. Shows us a picture of that when he writes his letters with these tender addresses and instructions that his greetings be shared with um, particular persons in the different communities. Um, all of that's very moving. From our own tradition, the Dominican tradition, um, we have a couple we have a couple signs of. Uh, of great friendship and a, and a great understanding of friendship um do you want to talk about a couple of those sure
1: yeah yeah well i think at, at the foundation we um we we look back to uh when saint dominic just after the order was founded about it the, the order was founded in december of 1216 and then the next year at pentecost dominic dispersed a very small group of brothers that he had out two by two um, in in small groups to the university cities of, of Europe, um, less than a year later. But he did this two by two, not simply as a sort of practical sort of traveling together. It's good to be to, you know, have somebody else there to watch your back or that keep you company, that type of thing. But because he knew, um, that the witness of the gospel is more clear, radiates more truly and is lived better for those who are together, um, in, in, in friendship in the support of their brothers or whoever, you know, whatever group that it may be. And this has set the foundation, um, for, for the life of the order, but also religious life. And it, you know, radiates out to all of Christian life. But we see this from almost like day, well, not day one, but you know, within the first year of our, of our order, the the importance of having those companions on the mission.
0: Right. Right. I can think of, um, uh, Reginald, who was Saint Thomas Aquinas' secretary, right? How, what a what a privileged relationship they had, and what how amazing that collaboration um, would have been. Or of um, the friars in Rome who took care of Catherine of Siena. I love this. Um, one of one of the signs of the friars' care for Catherine and their affection for her is that they brought her
1: books to read. That's so. Did <laughs> they. Isn't that so- great? <laughs> yeah in the in the i mean as as men as religious as mendicants we take you know we live the evangelical councils we take a vow of obedience and that includes for dominicans poverty and chastity but always in the tradition of the order we've always been allowed to keep our books that's been like the one exception uh so to give to give books to each other or to see like a book to snag that's like that's what the dominican kind of clenches on to and same thing for saint catherine that's that's, that's so, cool, true. Right so funny yeah and then two um blessed jordan Um, Um, and Diana um, they Blessed Jordan was the second Master of the Order he succeeded Saint Dominic as Master of the Order he's also the patron Saint of vocations to the order, pray for vocations. Uh, put that plug in there. Uh, and Diana was a was a nun, an early nun of the order, and their their letters correspond that they corresponded back and forth, and really beautiful, encouraging each other in the life. So we, you, it's not these sort of friendships. Of course, aren't limited to the Dominican Order. You see them throughout throughout the Church's history, really, but are really beautiful examples um, of of the support that we offer one another. And there are, it's, it's interesting to read, especially in the early church when, when the Christians were being persecuted sort of just the simple encouragement to be conformed to Christ, knowing of our prayers for each other. Um, And I think that's one of the beauties of the church that where we are a community and that the Eucharist, one of the effects, one of the graces of the Eucharist is, is that union that we're united together in our mission of pursuing Christ. Um, that's beautiful on the global and universal level, but also you know more apropos to what we're talking about on that intimate level between friends, between those that you're that you're close to. So we see this throughout the throughout the gospels, of course, the Old Testament. We didn't talk about that, but the Old Testament, the gospels, um, oh. early, the early Christian church,
0: Jonathan and, David. Jonathan and David. I just have to slip their names in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, you know, we see it in the early church. We see it in the life of the order uh, of the Dominican Order. We see it in throughout the church's history. It continues. And, um, we have to be reminded of that. We have to remember, we have to remember that. I think too, when I think uh, of these sort of examples of, of friendship and the importance of it, of sort of the, um, we, we kind of started talking about when we started talking about the, uh, the sort of negative example of those, you know, like sitting at a dinner table with your phones out and not talking to each other, um, in our, in our modern day. But I also think that there are examples that we can look to, like in our and pop culture, if you will, you know, in, in our modern setting that uh, offer really beautiful examples of mm-hmm. the importance of relationship and friendship. Um, mm-hmm. And one of these, I don't know if I know, I'm, I'm guessing, I think you are, Father Patrick, familiar with the author, Michael O'Brien, uh, maybe because yes. I talk about him a lot and you've probably read, <laughs> he's one uh, in in fact, you've given me several of his books to read. Okay, yeah, you know, I knew, you know, whatever, fine. Uh, but Father Elijah is probably his most favorite, if famous book. Uh, but he came out with a book a couple of years ago called The Fool of New York City, and it's a really interesting book, a really great book. Uh, and in, in that book, it's a story about a man. I, I won't give it all away or summarize it all. Um, but it's a story about a man. The beginning of the the story, he wakes up having um, lost in, you know suffering from amnesia. He's completely has lost uh, who he is and um, where he is, his history, his past. And the whole book is this sort of relationship between this guy and another, another man who he becomes friends with trying to find their identity. Um, so Max is the main character who's lost his, his memory. Billy's his friend. Um, and Billy sort of acts as uh, a kind of Christ uh, figure to him and leads him along. But it's, it's, uh, this, the book is a story of sort of self discovery and friendship, um, that, that kind of leads that transcends earthly limits and, and carries Max, the main character back to himself, but more importantly, carries him to his, his true identity. It's not the sort of inward turn of subjectivism, but a turn towards the reality of who you are. And I think the the, the take home for me from the book is that, um, Max has to come to terms with who he is and sort of the horrors of his past and the brokenness mm. of his own past. And Billy's the one who reminds him that despite that, despite who we are, grace is bigger than that. Mm. You know, grace mm. pulls us from that and allows us to be united to people to love and be loved, but also to be united to God. So I love that book. Just a little, uh, you know, a little plug from Michael O'Brien, but also, you know, a, a great book and very, very appropriate for Kind of what we're talking about. I don't know if Father, if you had other um, sort of examples of, of pop culture or things that are going on that, that kind of speak to what we've been talking about. But
0: yeah, I think um, I think I'll mention those as as we as we kind of go on um, because I, I wanted to ask the question. Okay, so so where do we go from here? Um, these these are these are all great examples. Some of them quite charming. Um, but but, but how, do we, how, do we, how do we cultivate friendship um, in a way that's compelling and that's particularly Christian in the United States uh, in 2019? Uh, and, you know, how, how do we go about this? And, you know, for me, I think, the, I think one of the first things is that we have to take seriously um, that Christ is inviting us um, to a particular relationship with him. Um so in, in in order to begin to take friendship seriously we we have to we have to engage this question uh, of friendship with Christ um, i found that um idea that line that saying even jesus is my friend i've always found that foreign and bothersome in my in my own experience of christianity yeah and kind but, of hokey uh, like you
1: know uh,
0: yeah, like feel good <laughs> Kind I've never of, been I've never been willing to say that or comfortable to say that. Uh comfortable with saying that, but um but, but but the reality is that we are being invited into this kind of intimacy with the Lord. That that is what Jesus wants. This ex, this exchange of self and of belonging to him that we would be transformed into him and, and made more like him and drawn drawn into perfection with him. And that that is the deepest kind of unity. Um and maybe that's why the phrase Jesus is my friend just never resonated um, because it's something so raw and uh, otherworldly that it's that it's difficult to even express but but if our understanding of friendship is not grounded in the fact that we Christians are being invited into the deepest level of unity and intimacy with Jesus uh, then then we're not going to succeed in talking about friendship at all
1: Um, that's right. If we don't, if we don't have that example, if we don't have the, the sort of, um, the, the reality of our relationship with God as being the prime analog, the prime example for what we do in all of our life, how we structure our life and how we structure our friendships and relationships with people, then it's kind of a moot point. It's like, why, why bother? Because it's something that we construct for ourselves. And as we well know, uh, what we construct for ourselves quickly falls it, it just mm. doesn't last it just doesn't um, so we have to have our Lord and our lord 's invitation and our lord 's example as the prime analog of our pursuit and friendships as that remedy to loneliness because
0: Christ is so central in this conversation, I think it it leads us to the the kind of next invitation, which is to be to be friends within the church. Um, to say boldly and bravely, the Christian friendships are different than other friendships, and we should privilege them. That they're different than relationships we have in the workplace. They're different um, from uh, familial relationships. They're, 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 they're their own thing, and we should be investing in them in a real and serious way. Like Folks, the parishes around our country, by and large, are, are just evaporating. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a raw, in many places it's a raw experience of just kind of brokenness. And we know that people are, are, are thirsting for experiences of community and they will happen if we build them. If we, if we ourselves are willing to actually invest in real friendships with people that we see at mass, um, this is why the sign of peace succeeds, like why it means something if you know those people that you're worshiping with in a a deep way, it adds another level of meaning to that gesture in the liturgy, which can sometimes feel hollow. Does that make sense? That's not, I'm not a kind of piece, but I'm saying like, listen, if there, if it's reflecting real friendships and real relationships, it's going to mean more in the liturgy. And that for us should be a a kind of, a kind of call.
1: Right. And I think that your point is, is well taken about friendship in the church because true friendships, real friendships, friendships that, that build up and that are an alleviation of of that loneliness to some degree are built on a common pursuit on a common foundation. And for the Christian, for the baptized person, that's the pursuit of Christ. And we can right. enjoy and we should enjoy the, like the goods of this world together as a pursuit of Christ. Um, but the beauty about the parish about the about the church is that when we come to that we're starting together at the same place we don't have to create a sort of false foundation that's subjective to our own desires you know when you come to the church when you have friends when when christians are pursuing this end together there's that agreed upon principle starting point and end so let's move together you know let's get there together uh it's beautiful and one of the things. Um, one of my favorite parts of St. Thomas's thought is when he talks about friendships and friendships in general, and he asks the question: Is is the fellowship of friends necessary uh, for happiness? Mm. Do we need friends to be happy? Uh, he talks about this in the Summa, and he says, with respect to this to this life, uh, he says the happy man needs friends. Needs friends. It's not like it's nice to have them. We need them to be happy. Uh, but what's even what I what I think is even more beautiful is he asked the question: What about in the next life? That we've you know we've talked about that that what we're made for. Do we need our friends to be happy with respect to be attitude? And absolutely speaking, Thomas says no, we don't. Well, why? Well, because God fulfills. God is not lacking. But Thomas says. Because of the importance of friendship in our pursuit of perfection in this life, it seems fitting, most appropriate that we would share be beatitude with our friends. Basically, wh- if our friends are so important and essential to our life now, why wouldn't they be part of our life in heaven? Mm. They must be. I think that's beautiful. And if that's part of our life in heaven, I also think that these friendships, this remedy to loneliness, then are is is... Can be a foretaste of that sharing and beatitude in heaven. Now, um, it takes work. It takes time. It's not like, hey, just found a best friend. You know, found that perfect person to be my best friend. You know, we have to work at them. We have to bear. Pipe each- What's that?
0: Swipe left.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. We have to. We have to bear each other patiently and bear with each other's. You know, mm. problems and brokenness. But it's it's a way towards Christ. It's a way. It's part of our fulfillment. Uh, it, it helps us to be the men and women that God has created us to be. And, and what a joy to have, uh, to pursue that, to go after that, uh, with, with somebody else.
0: Well, we hope that you'll continue to be friends with us on the podcast.
1: <laughs> we hope that this was not too depressing talking about our eyes.
0: <laughs> listen, listen, like, and share. I mean, in, 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 in a deep way, um, this work, uh, Friars Getting Together and Talking, comes, comes out of the friendships that we have in Christ. And we, ho- we hope that that comes through. And that's the kind of thing that we're able to share. Uh, that, that's, that's what we're up to here. That's, that's our mission. And, um, and we, we hope that it inspires and encourages you as we all seek Christ together. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.